as a team for being a blessing to us and uh, allowing song to help us engage with the Spirit of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful for your presence. You are with us, whether on Harding or on Beals or on Burns or on Garland, Lord, wherever, Lord. We are connecting today. You are with us. Let us feel that sense of connection. Would you move me so your people may be able to understand your word? Make it plain, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I uh, have been going through a series uh, in the book of Philippians. But we are going to take a pause from that book. We've been blessed by one of our elders, uh, Jonathan, who kind of bookend our Easter time with uh, some sermons from Philippians. And so uh, we've been encouraged in understanding Christ-like humility, and I'm so grateful for uh, our dear brother. But uh, it doesn't happen this often that the news headlines steal my focus. I was spending time in prayer ready to continue in Philippians, and uh, I actually have checked out of Facebook most of the Lenten season and came back on, and uh, in the past week and a half, two weeks, uh, specifically this week, my feed has been lit up with heartbreaking realities. And to ignore them, uh, I didn't feel was, a, was the way the Lord was leading. And so I want to share some of these realities with you because they should be stirring something in us. Some of these realities are that a sister was planning to do some art at a local park and a man came up to her, said uh, some really uh, inappropriate things to her, spoke uh, in a negative way about her Asian culture, punched her, and then ran away. Another woman was attacked similarly in the garage of her home. Those are just two of a number of things that happened to some of our Asian sisters and brothers this week. A man was uh, fleeing the scene, got into a little bit of a, uh, a issue, a situation where he was uh, wanting to get away from police. But a police officer went to tase him and instead pulled a gun and shot him. And he died. His name was Dante Wright. In Indianapolis, eight people's lives at a FedEx plant were, were taken. Four of them from the Sikh community. A very well-known entertainer named DMX passed from an overdose of drugs this week. I, I, I don't, I very rarely, <laughs> you guys know me, 
this is usually what you find when you see me. Because in my heart, there is almost always a sense of joy present. There's almost always like the glass, and I see it no matter what is in it. It's half full. But these headlines, the numbers of them seem to grab my attention, grab my heart. And, and what I was seeing in people's responses was anger. Maybe it was because a 13-year-old boy who seemed like had his hands up, his life was taken in Chicago. And each one of these situations is messy. Each one has some nuances. Each one has some aspects of it where you can start to have debates and conversations. But at the end of the day, some mama, some brother, is shedding some tears. It's police officers that have been targeted, police officers just trying to do their job, police officers that are actually trying to protect and serve, being targeted. And so I could feel in the posts that people were creating, I could feel this Anger, anger from every side, anger from protesters, anger from the family of cops, anger from me. And so I kept trying to find like these different scriptures and God speaks through all of his word, but he kept bringing me back to some scriptures that we preached on two or three years ago in the book of Ephesians. A simple verse. Just six words, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Try to escape it, get away from it. But what I saw bubbling up and continue to see bubbling up in people that don't love Jesus are responses that are flowing from their anger and it's ready to hurt. It's ready to damage But some Christians are subtly mimicking the world. Some Christians are subtly having similar voices where where maybe we won't go break and burn down a building, but we are tempted to do it with our words. And so I want to allow this scripture that was preached in one way, but still has that relevancy, and I think we can expound upon it a little bit more this Sunday. Ephesians 4.26, it simply says, be angry and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. Give me just a little bit of time to break down some of the the nuances of such a small verse, something that somehow our minds has trouble reconciling with because it seems like those two things cannot align. How can I have anger and not sin? It feels like you're saying, be angry and do nothing, pastor. Not at all. First, would you allow the The beginning of this verse, the simple word be, 
to be something that is a, is a request, is a cry, is a plea to you, be, remain, stay engaged, be present. A sister texted me this week and said, hey, it's, it's, it's my turn to check on you. I know stuff's been kind of crazy, and I want to know how you're doing. And, and what I said to her was, I'm starting to feel a bit desensitized. I'm starting to feel in my heart as if, oh, here we go again. And I can just put in a new name. I can put in a new scenario. I can put in a new place. I can put in new victims and just getting. And I felt the Lord convicting my heart. To say, no, don't you get used to this? Don't you start to check out and begin to self-preserve? No, you don't, we don't have the option. You stay engaged. You reach into your community of people who might be totally different from you, might even have different perspectives on each of these situations, and you stay. Because you are a part, you be. Be fully present, be engaged. Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and do not sin. But we're able to do that because of verses that are, that are previous in this chapter. In, in Ephesians 4 verses 15 and 16, it says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see, that pain, that hurt, that reminder of injustice once leads me to want to isolate and pull away from the very thing that I need most. You. The very thing we need most, each other, the very thing that Jesus died for, which was that we could experience relationship with the Father and be one. That instead of pulling away and retreating and isolating, God wants me to be connected to the body that is the life source for healing. He is the one who is the healer, but he works through his people to manifest healing. And so be fully present. Be together. You've been baptized into a community. Remain. Stay engaged. But then in verse 26, he says, be angry. Be angry. In this specific context, it is uh, a definition that I like, flows from the, the, the dictionary of Bible themes, says the unnecessary and unjustified ill treatment of others through false accusation or through the inflicting of pain or punishment. It has its origin from Satan and it works through the sinful human heart and shows itself in every sphere of life. It deserves wrath. The wrath of God. Anger. 
anger can be this sinful thing that deserves the wrath of God. But Jesus shows us a different anger. Jesus gets kind of angry in this beautiful book we have. And so let me just show you a few examples of Jesus' anger. Because I think when injustice happens, sometimes we've had a bad rap that, that if you're a Christian and you get too mad, you're not actually being a good Christian. You're not following Jesus, and I actually think you're following Jesus perfectly. It's what you do with that anger that matters. There's a story in John chapter 2, verse 13 through 17 where Jesus gets angry at unjust rules, at systems of injustice. It's verse 13, the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. You know this famous one, the one that, that everybody, whenever you want to get into a fight and make somebody your enemy, this is the one you quote, right? And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away and do not make my father's house a house of trade. Jeffrey Curtis Poor is this blogger that broke this down really well. And I like the way he said, he said, what was happening was the religious leaders were selling the sacrifices required by God's law for a profit. In other words, the poor families who traveled far and at a great expense to follow God's law were being extorted, being taken advantage of. And this angered Jesus. They were being extorted instead of being helped. This is where we see Jesus at his angriest. He makes a whip, drives them out. Why? Because they were making it harder for people to get to God so they could make a few bucks. You see, when, when there's an unjust rule that's at play, a system that is taking advantage of people, Jesus gets kind of mad. He gets angry. He gets table flip irate. And, and, and that type of anger came from a perfect being, a perfect man. Now, that was anger with the church environment, and I don't expect every group to be the church. Our police departments are worldly institutions. They are not the church. So I can't ask the police department to be the church. So I believe aspects of the police and legal system Aspects are uh, unjust, aspects are crooked, but I don't have the same expectation of the police department as I do Christ church. But what I do have an expectation of are Christians who abide within the secular space. We do have an expectation of godly or Christian police officers. 
Just like when Jesus met Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus was of the world in a secular system as a tax collector, taking advantage of people. And when he met Jesus, he changed. He restored relationships that he previously broke and operated in a new fashion. And so I'm expecting that Christian officers will have a just conduct. That police will conduct themselves that worship the Lord in a way that does not see bias, that does not allow preference or certain cultures to be able to have certain benefits of the doubt, even if that is a culture of blue. I'm so grateful for many writers that have been for generations writing about this topic of injustice as it relates just to the criminal system. And in the more recent years, we've had the Jamar Tisby's, the Eric Mason's, the Sung Chun Ra, the Jim Wallace's, so many other authors. We can go back even further, though. Let's go to Nehemiah, Paul, Jesus. Their words are recorded. But you know the person I'm most thankful for in my recent years? I'm most thankful for a guy named Philip Kahn. Philip Kahn is the engineer that created the first cell phone camera. The first cell phone camera. Because see, while people have been saying these things about injustice and getting angry for years and generations and generations, folks didn't believe it till it could be captured. And now, even with chest cams, we still will see it in plain sight and somehow not believe. Not the Christian. Not the believer. Not those that walk with the Lord and is each situation unique and messy and are there things that we wish certain people didn't do and yes, yes, yes. But we've got to call things that are unjust, unjust, and allow our anger to flow from what would bring Christ anger. So what else would bring Christ anger? Human condition. When, when the human condition brings forth pain, when our sinful behavior brings forth hurt, when People experience pain and sorrow. It hurts Jesus's heart. John chapter 11 references a very famous situation between Jesus and Mary. Jesus and Lazarus's whole family in John chapter 11, verse 32. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved, deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Why did he weep? 
He wept because of the reality of loss, because of the reality of death, because even though he had the power to raise Lazarus in losing someone, there is grief and Jesus knows every pain that you and I have experienced. He has gone through grief. He's gone through hurt. He's had to look Mary and the family in their eyes and see tears pouring down and then he too sheds those tears. So that's what led him to the cross. The impact that death has had upon our life, that angered Jesus. That hurt, that pain, that sorrow. Lastly, when we choose an image, when we choose a, a, a facade, when we choose our image to look great over being humble, when we choose to lift up ourselves higher than having a humble posture, it enrages, it brings anger to Jesus. In Matthew 23, verses 23 through 26, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guide straining out a net and swallowing a camel. Woe to you. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean. When Christians care more about our, our image, more about how the world sees us, where we just want to be liked by, by every single person, where we're, we have more affinity to our groups and our name and our titles and our accolades and our political parties and our organizations and all of these things more than godly justice. We make Jesus angry. We see Jesus get angry when we, when we are supposed to be the ones modeling Christ-like character, but we're modeling personal elevation. I was, uh, I, 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 was, I was blown away. So on my journey, my Christian journey, I was raised in a small church. So small church pastors had the benefit of the doubt with me. Then I, I kind of went to a mega church. Then mega church pastors had the benefit of the doubt with me. And through the mega church pastors, I met some televangelists. And I'm like, oh, televangelists. Whoa, I, that's kind of crazy. I didn't know that you could reach like millions upon millions of people. Okay. Then I started sifting through who was solid and who wasn't a televangelist. I, I will say that in, in past years, uh, I have not probably aligned with like the 700 Club, Pat Robertson, televangelist ministry movement. Wouldn't say nothing bad about them, just saying like, when I think of televangelists that have uh, encouraged my spirit, 
I trust and know Pat has helped people come to Christ, and so I celebrate Pat. Uh, but some of the views that he has, I'm personally not aligned with. In, in recent years, Pat has been extremely uh, pro-police. Uh, sometimes he's been extremely pro-police. But Pat Robertson shocked me this past week. He came out and he said, in reference to Derek Chauvin, there's another case I could have added to that list this morning. He said, and of Kim Potter, we cannot have a bunch of clowns policing the U.S. Wrong is simply wrong. I, I, I was... I. I was taken aback. I was taken aback. But but he on when on that airing, he holds up a taser and a gun and is saying, these are these are different. He's not, he's not so sold out to this party or that party that for this moment he couldn't see with clarity something that's clear. You see, God is saying to us, when you are so tied to your group, to your name, to what you think is going to allow you to look good, be viewed, have certain influence, when you're so tied to that, that some things that are plain just, you negate them, makes God angry. And so let us, family, be, be looking inside of our hearts and make sure that our anger is appropriate anger, that our anger aligns with Jesus, that we understand that we can be mad. We can get angry. But let's get angry about what Christ is angry about so that we can respond in ways that line up with his responses. Because he then says these four words, and do not sin. And do not sin. And do not sin. I, I, I know that that is a complex thing to wrap your mind around because when you are in the place of anger, it is sometimes tough to pause yourself. And have wisdom. That's why I love some of the scriptures that the Lord gives us in the wisdom books. Proverbs 14, 29. Whoever is patient has great understanding. But one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Be impulsive. Shoot off the hip right away when you get angry. We'll see what kind of pain you cause. Proverbs 19, 11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Pastor, don't move too quick to forgiving people. I hear you. Forgiveness is a process. I'm not saying every time something happens, you need to jump to forgiveness. Not at all. 
Do I think forgiveness is a trait and a value of Christianity? I do. And I'll be sharing about that in a second. But be slow to anger. Ask yourself, do, do I understand where this is coming from? Or, or Lord, is this being triggered from something else? I know when I heard about Derek Chauvin, I, I mean, um, Dante Wright, I didn't even have a fax. I heard one little snippet, and I was ready to go off. Slow down. Listen. Seek some wisdom. Don't, 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 don't let your landmines be, be set off and triggered right away. Proverbs 22, 8. Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity. And the rod of his fury will fail. You see, there's a a worldview thing there. There's There's an issue there. Do you believe that responding with your anger in an unjust manner will bring forth a just response? Do you believe that in your anger and responding in an ungodly way will bring forth a godly outcome? Something wrong with that thinking, ain't it? But sometimes we respond and do it again and again. I got to confess, I did it like a month and a half ago. Some people I really love was was in an argument. And, and, And I got like, I truly believe my threshold is like pretty high. You know, like I, I'm like, I'm good, you know. This, this day, I had had enough, and I, uh, I'm like, all right, I'm going to mediate this thing. I'm about, to, I'm about to shut it down. I'm like, I'm done with the, all right, I come in, and I'm like, hey, we got to stop this. And so part of, the, part of my process for stopping it because I'm angry that an argument is happening. Part of my process for stopping is I'm going to take a chair, pick up the chair, slam it on the ground. And my thought was the chair is just going to disintegrate and everybody's going to be like, ooh. Okay, we good now. But the chair didn't disintegrate. <laughs> Only two legs on the chair broke. So now I'm trying to get the chair to break all the way. And it, y'all... I then had the nerve to try to mediate the conversation after trying to slam the chair. And it just was like foolishness on foolishness on foolishness. But we go through life breaking the hearts of people with our words, destroying the chairs of relationships constantly, hoping for a godly outcome. And God is saying, wait, 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 wait. Anger might be justified. But just because you're justified doesn't mean you can respond in an unjust manner. So do you trust that when evil has its way, that I am still in control and that it will not win? Or do you need to take it into your own hands? Do you believe that I'm still in control 
that when an innocent life is taken, that you responding my way is better than all the rage, all the anger that is ungodly, all of the way that you want them to feel, the pain that you're feeling. Do you believe that my way is better? That's the plight of the believer. That's the plight of the Christian to not keep returning eye for an eye. But when our eye gets hurt, we cling that much closer to Christ. We we draw that much closer. It doesn't mean that we can't respond. I'm not telling you to be a pushover Christian. I'm just saying, so show some control. Show the world that anger is one thing that we control, but that anger doesn't control us. So I'm praying. I'm praying that the the words of my my brother would, brother in Christ would, will remind us that we are to respond and be angry and, and, and bring forth responses because evil exists. Piper says this, John Piper says, righteous anger acts swiftly when necessary. Some forms of evil require us to be quick to speak and quick to act. The slaughter of unborn children, of ethnic and economic injustice, abuse, whether it's emotional, physical, sexual, sex trafficking, human slavery, adultery, Refugee plights, persecution, and other such evils require an urgent and immediate rescue. But still be sober-minded. Still respond in the way God would have you to respond. Still allow your being in the presence of other people to be a part of your journey. I knew I was jacked up. When my response, I didn't want nobody to know it. I just wanted to go do it. I didn't, I didn't want to go talk and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? I'm like, no, I got this. Clear sign. When you're headed down the wrong path, when you're not willing to let Christian community be a part of the solution. Even if they're the sounding board for your solution. So, Pastor, you didn't said a bunch of stuff of different things. What's some things we could do today? I was reading a, an article, and this Christian writer said, one of the things we can do today is serve during jury duty. I'm like, what? It's like we need God-honest, God-fearing people that love the cross, that don't come in and they're just ready automatically because he's a cop, we're going to crucify him or because he's black, we're going to crucify him or because they don't come in with all the baggage ready to use that in a political system. They come in and saying, I'm on the Lord's side. I'm going to let the facts be the facts and I have to answer to a higher calling. And so in a system that we see is lopsided at times, we can be a voice of clarity playing our small part. Sometimes you can contribute to GoFundMes. There's a man named Kevin Quart uh, who had a, an apartment on Woodward. 
during the protests, when cops were shooting mace and stuff like that, he allowed people to come into the vestibule of his apartment. He saw some people get a, uh, pushed over. This is what he claims. This is according to his story. Uh, I'm sure the police have another side of it. Uh, he is suing the police at this time. Uh, when some people were getting what he said was harmed by the police, he asked them to stop, and then he was slammed, punched for two minutes, kicked, and uh, suffered some, some major damages. He's suing right now, and I'm not saying, you know, that I was there, that I know things. But people at times give to GoFundMes to help folks that lost work, that physically were harmed to what may have been an injustice. So maybe your, your 10 bucks can help somebody else uh, be able to get through as they're trying to get back on their feet. You can vote for officials who embrace ideals that you embody and think are Christ-centered or more Christ-aligned or more uh, uh, of a value set that you feel the Lord's calling you to. You can march and allow your presence to be felt in a community and protest. You can uh, disrupt systems through uh, voting, through uh, a variety of means, and you can pray. You can pray. The greatest weapon that we have against evil schemes, evil schemes are what bring forth anger to Jesus, not just our preferences. We can pray. I'm not suggesting that we go riot. I believe that there are a variety of protests that can take place. I understand why people riot, and I'm not uh, saying that that's what people should do. But I do want you to see the power in responding in a godly manner. You have the opportunity to be a domino effect of God-centered grace or of wildfire pain. What response will you give? Ephesians 4, 26 says, be angry. And do not sin. One of the last verses within that book that I, I, I didn't put up on here is Ephesians 4, verse 32. It says, uh, not in that book, in that uh, section, it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I, um, I sometimes feel like people of color have to continually be in the spot of forgiving. It's not true. There are white people that find themselves in spaces where they have to continually forgive too. But I, I know the black journey. I know the, the mental aspect of 
Rodney King that I have not been able to erase since I was a child and how that keeps getting replayed, unfortunately. And I keep having to forgive. But the question is not, why do I keep having to forgive? The real question is, why would a God who is perfect keep forgiving me? You see, I'm imperfect trying to forgive another imperfect being. I can, I can wrap my mind around that. I don't like it. I do think there's an imbalance at times, but I can kind of understand and get imperfect people in an imperfect world needing to forgive one another because if not, there's going to be a stalemate and none of us will succeed. I can kind of get that. I can't get that a holy God did nothing to deserve any of the pain that he received. Models for us forgiveness so that we would know how to do it with one another. I can't wrap my mind around a perfect being loving me so much and seeing the depths of disgust in who I am and saying, yet, you I love and you I forgive. You see, when that's the model, when that is the thing that's been acted out for me, when that is what I'm supposed to be emulating after, it starts to be a little selfish when I say, why do I have to forgive again? What I should be saying is, thank you for the grace. Thank you for the strength. Thank you for the power. Thank you for the ability to be able to forgive because it reminds me that I've been forgiven much. Reminds me of a God who loves me. And it reminds me that I get a chance to reflect the beautiful light that Christ has in me out into this world. Sometimes I don't want to reflect it. Sometimes what I want to throw is darts. Sometimes what I want is to give pain. Sometimes what I want is an eye for an eye, and I'm so grateful that Jesus doesn't treat me that way. Which one will you choose? The opportunity to be a domino effect of God's grace and love or a wildfire that causes pain. There's just a couple of quotes I want to leave you with. Quotes that I am. It's a modern day example of a miracle to me. And it's one that I pray that God would give me the strength to have should I ever have to go down a road this scary and dark. It's two quotes from families that were affected by the Charleston murder. One of the family members uh, said, I forgive you. Nadine Collier, the daughter of 70-year-old Ethel Lance, said at the hearing for Dylan Roof, her voice breaking with emotion, you took something very precious from me. I will never talk to her again. I will never, ever hold her again, but I forgive you. 
and have mercy on your soul. Felicia Sanders spoke about her son, Tywanza Sanders, who was killed. Felicia said, we welcomed you. We welcomed you Wednesday night in our Bible study with welcome arms. Her voice was trembling. She said, Tywanza Sanders was my son. But Tywanza Sanders was my hero. Tywanza was my hero. May God have mercy on you. I forgive you. It's a response to anger that makes no sense. Doesn't have to be rushed, doesn't have to be immediate. But when we have anger, we don't let it fester and lead us to respond with hate. We can still respond challenging the system, challenging these issues, holding people accountable and being loving. Even to the point of forgiving. May we have the grace, the patience, the love that Christ extends us. May we have that with one another and may we model it to the world. Let us pray. Father, I think of the, uh, the week some of these parents have had some of these loved ones have had. Some of the calls that some of these families received this week. I know it angers you. I know it breaks your heart. but you didn't respond out of that pain to go and hurt people that you could have destroyed. In the blink of an eye, Lord, you could have responded to these people who were saying crucify you, yet you responded by saying forgive them. Help us to draw from that strength Help us to respond from that strength, Lord, when we see these injustices happening. Let us be vocal. Let us be responders. Let us not be doormat Christians. But let us respond with wisdom that reflects you. And let you get all the glory for it, Lord. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray.